Now broadcasting live via Ustream or downloaded directly to your mobile device. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagdon Boardcast. Oh my goodness, and that is crazy. Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad I didn't get Wow, you said your parents don't listen to this. He just looked at me like, should I punch him? It doesn't work if you're not wearing a mariachi suit. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 130 of the Bag and Boardcast. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the books we're looking forward to this week coming out, 7-11-2012. Is it free Slurpee Day again, Paul? It is free Slurpee Day. Get your free free 7-ounce Slurpee at any 7-Eleven on free Slurpee Day. It's such a small Slurpee, but I still might go for it just because. You go in there and they're like, ah, how many times do I get a Slurpee? And you buy a full-size one. And then <laughs> when you're drinking it, you throw your free one into your full-size one and be like, I'm glad I had that a little extra bit. I'm glad it was there. Makes sense. Makes sense. And it is delicious. Speaking of delicious, that brings us to our weekly rotating main topic this week. We're taking a look at Spider-Man in the feature films. Uh, one, two, three, and relaunch. Pretty the cool. amazing. Whatever you want to call it. The amazing Spider-Man. I thought you were going to say, uh, speaking of delicious, Emma Stone, who's in our... F- who we're going to talk about in our main topic. We will talk about her. She's adorable. Huh. I don't... You know, I'd go shopping with her. <laughs> uh, inside jokes. Inside joke. But one of the things we always go shopping for, no matter who we're with, is beer. Yes. yes. And I'm sorry, this bottle, uh, it's, it's one that I bought a couple episodes ago with the um, the RJ uh, Rocker. And this bottle is turned, and it's, it is not as good as it should be. This is... Um, Meet Old Tom from Maine Brewing Company. It's a stout aged with natural vanilla beans. And when you have a good bottle of this, it is delicious. The vanilla really comes out in it. Um, I'd put it as one of my favorite stouts. And that's why I picked up this bottle. But it has not traveled well. Yeah, there's really nothing to it at all. It's syrupy. You, it, you just get the coffee ground you get the kind of taste to it. There's there's nothing there, and it's it's a shame because it's a really good beer. Is it because our taste buds are still blown out after our not episode? Uh, it could be twelve IPAs. I don't I don't think so. I think this just hasn't traveled. No, it, yeah. it it's not. It if you go into a beer store and it's like eighty degrees in there, mm-hmm. do not buy anything because it'll just ruin your beers. Yeah, a beer is supposed to be capped at 55. Yeah. So and, uh, judge accordingly. You yeah. Know. Be like, oh, how long has it been on the shelf and at what temperature? No. And is it in direct sunlight in a clear bottle? <laughs> Innocent Gun turns really quick. Too. Oh, I can imagine. So, yeah. And it turns into, like, pea flavor. <laughs> it's because you got that sweetness and that, like, freshness and then, like, when it sours. That, like, that, that and acid acrid. from yeah. the... It, from the alcohol, yeah. So you got to be careful with uh, with that, and it's in a clear bottle, so yeah, it'll so, go yeah. quick. It's exposed to everything. But I'm sorry, guys, because this this you the two of you who are Stouts fans would absolutely love this beer, and I bought it for us because I know you guys would like it. And that's what we said about before uh, uh, with buying Stouts. It's hard. It's a, it's a dangerous game to buy Stouts right now because 
one, uh, most people aren't, like your actual good stores won't carry as many stouts right now because they don't sell during the summer. And two, the people that do are selling the older stuff that's been there since the winter, so. Yeah. I was super excited when I saw this, too. I was like, I'm buying this for the podcast! Mm, sad. Oh, well. I can, sad. I can see what's there. I can appreciate what the, you get. Like no, none of the vanilla. Yeah, you get bitter. You get a bitter from the vanilla in it. Mm-hmm. Instead yeah, of the sweetness. You get none of that sweet vanilla taste, which I was looking forward to. Yeah. Let me down, mean old Tom. Mm. Mean of you. Very. <laughs> news. Oh, okay. No, you've already segued into the news. No, there's, well, there's really nothing else we can talk about the beer because. No, it's, I know. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna segue, but. Go ahead. I want to hear no, your segue. No, no, no. No, we'll pretend no, like No, I was that. shooting from the hip, and now the hip is gone. I'm hipless. Tragically. Ooh. Hipless. Uh, so that brings us to nothing that I was going to talk about. <laughs> uh, I, uh, up on Ars Technica, they have a interview with uh, the exec, the head exec over at EA, and he was talking about how they see EACs that uh, the digital revolution is... Not so much a revolution as an inevitability. Inevitability. Inevitable. Inevitability? Inevitable. It, it is inevitable. There we go. Uh, and he's and right now, he said last year, uh, their overall uh, profits, or what, revenues, 1.5 from the physical media, $1.32 billion from their digital revenue streams, which does include their add-on packs, their skins, all that kind of free stuff that they do. Uh, they're also on the Facebook, and that would all count as digital. Uh, EA has the Hashbro license uh, for, like, your uh, Facebook friends for Scrabble and Uno. I believe they have Uno. I'm not sure. But I know Scrabble because it's a Hashbro game. Hmm. And uh, you know what? I'm not that worried about it because I have the Internet. You know, and... You know, what? we're not getting manuals from EA. You know, they yeah. already took that away from us. Uh, am I missing a manual? Not really. No, it's something that you used to look at when you were a kid. Yeah, because you weren't driving yourself. Yeah, exactly. So you open it up and all you had to look at for the 30 minutes or the hour drive home that you had was the manual. And then you could <laughs> uh, where where are you Are you going to Rochester to get your video games? What are you taking? Why does your car ride take an hour to get to your video game? Uh, so, my parents only we only had the one car, so if we were going to go out someplace, we were going to do all our errands at the same time, not just the one, because that would waste gas. It's <laughs> like they have hour, and then I thought you were correcting yourself, like fifteen minutes, like half hour, like an hour you're <laughs> driving hour. around in the car. Yeah. <laughs> what you guys did, didn't have to go to every stop on the way? No, we'd, I'd get the there, game and I'd like be they'd drive me right home. There'd be a couple stops. Wow. Yeah, but I it was a crazy man. You wouldn't want me cooped up in the car <laughs> with that video game. Yeah, or on Christmas when you couldn't play the video game because you had to go over to your grandmother's house and you bring the manual with you. But now Okay, th- see that? Yeah, okay, that. Yeah. Okay. Or, or you're not allowed it's Christmas and you're not allowed to play the game till everyone goes to bed. So you just sit there and look at the game. In the manual. My yeah. parents would let us play the games if we were home because they would also play. Like when we went to bed as kids, they would also often play our video games. Mm. Well, their video games, they paid for them. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I don't miss a manual. So in a year, will I miss? If I will, I miss a box. No, because that's all it is anymore. Like the box, 
and a disc. But here's the thing. People like having a physical ownership of something. It means something more than just digital. But right now, with our copyright law, we don't have ownership of it. We own a license to play yeah. it on a but it, machine. It's different. It's tactile. It's You have that game. You have the physical hard copy of it oh, that you could put into your system versus just clicking and buying and having it on your system. That's what it, Chris is saying. Yeah, you're, you're holding it. That It's yours. Like You can look at it on your shelf. It, it's there. It's not just in the either somewhere like, oh, yeah, I, I download this. I have it. I mean, it's like it's a di- the music has all gone digital, mm-hmm. but they still sell CDs. People still buy them. Yeah, bands I, that I love, I, I still buy whatever CD they come out with. And I've gotten burned on like iTunes, like a computer crashing and losing all of my music that I had purchased. If I had the CD, I could just throw it back on there. And if I'm going to be buying CDs to back mm-hmm. up my music that I buy and download, why not just buy the CD? And I, There is a lot of people out there still that don't have internet. Right. It, it's shocking. I know. It's, the amount of people that actually don't have internet or aren't able just to get broadband internet in their area. I think the sales figures is like, what was it for Xbox? Over 54% of people that have Xbox don't have uh aren't activated online yeah they they have just like the xbox live they don't have the gold memberships <laughs> um so all those dlc and digital sales you're seeing that's from people buying the map packs for call of duty mm-hmm. the people buying the online passes for games the add-on content the extra levels the costumes and stuff like that and yeah there are people that are buying the full game the full game but here's the thing if you go online to buy that game mm-hmm. you're still gonna be looking at 59.99 yeah, or the and more this is, expensive. This is something we talked about a little bit before. Or you can buy the more expensive seventy nine ninety nine, the digital deluxe versions. Yeah, that what comes with mm-hmm. all everything that you would buy anyways with the game, like the the DLCs, the, DLCs, and the costumes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you get it all in one purchase mm-hmm. instead of waiting the while for it to be released. Yeah, like my collector's edition of uh, Mass Effect Three came with the first DLC pack from Ashes, came with uh, a couple more guns that I got, you know, for my character, and uh, digital uh, sound, what, what, music, what is the thing? Soundtrack. Soundtrack, there we go. Uh, music thing. I don't The music thing. Uh, it came with an art book and stuff like that. So I guess on the digital one, you wouldn't get the art book, or maybe it would be all on PDF. I don't know how that works. It's kind of silly. Which I really wouldn't ever look at. At all, but if I had a physical art book, then I'd flip through it once or twice, you know. Yeah. So you can look at other things on the internet. Yeah, if I'm online, I'm gonna be looking up other stuff, not or just playing WoW. We're playing WoW, which I've been doing a lot of lately. But did you did you have the physical CDs? I I have the physical copy of it. Be- basically, because it was cheaper for me to buy the physical copy than it was to buy it digitally from Blizzard. Huh. But the expansions they had on sale last weekend for $10 digital download versus $40 in store. Wow. I didn't buy them until I need to get to that content, though. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of down the middle on this. Like, I could, I could buy it digitally if it's a game that is like, eh, all right. <laughs> you know, a lot of times it's more me just being lazy and buying it instead of having to go out and buy it. Right. But I... 
I very rarely do that. I usually go into the store because I like to have that copy that I can also trade back in and get something else. Right. I feel like we've kind of talked about this whole thing before, and we are still all on the same page. You guys are over there on your side of the table. I'm over here. Uh, with EA saying that they think it's inevitable, again, shouldn't use that word, would you stop buying certain video games from a company if they were only digital download? Like, would you not buy Arkham Asylum? If it was our Arkham World, whatever they're going to call it, the next one, if it was digital only. Oh, if, if it was digital only, I would still probably buy it. Yeah, I would buy it. I would buy it as well. I mean, I've bought a lot of, like, just the smaller Xbox arcade games. Mm-hmm. I mean, talking about it before the show, I purchased the episode one of the Walking Dead game. Hey. I've bought the first two Duels of the Planeswalkers games. I haven't picked up the new one yet. And the core set 13 is going to come out. 2013 is coming out pretty soon. Yeah. Um, but I've I've bought those. I've bought other just like small little kind of like Twitch games. Mm-hmm. So I'm not completely opposed to digital. I don't want it to sound like that. I just think for myself, I like actually having the physical copy of the game. Mm-hmm. Something that I can pass off to John. You know, I can trade it in when I'm done with it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what people are always going to kind of more gravitate towards that physical copy. Mm-hmm. But talking about people kind of like producer Scott, he went completely digital with all of his music yep like i think it was last summer he got rid of all of his cds because he went all digital with it and that's something that i'd never be able to do yeah and the other thing is is all right i want to get arkham world do i have to clean stuff off my xbox so i can get all of that game because that was a huge the first i mean they've they've all been huge so Arkham World is going to be even bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's going to have a set size, but to have to put that onto my Xbox, as soon as I'm done playing mm-hmm. with it, boom, it's going to go off because I can always re-download it if I want to play it again. Right. But it just seems like it just seems like a hassle. <laughs> it was the complaint that people had with the Wii. You know, with them, you only had so much space on the Wii to download your things, and you couldn't transfer them to an SD card for the longest time or play them directly from the SD card. So you could store them there, but you would have to delete the channels, the games off your Wii, and then load them on from the SD card or re-download them, which was actually faster for most people. Uh, but now, then, when they opened it up, that you could play direct the games directly from the SD cards. People a little bit more happy about it. But you're right. Uh, it could cut off a whole other section of people, especially the... Um, Xbox Arcade editions. You only have four gigs. So if you have the system on there, you're basically down to almost three gigs. It's 3.2 after you look at everything that they have installed on it already. Mm -hmm. And then you're thinking about it, and the DLC for, uh, let's say, Mass Effect 3 was two, basically two gigs, 1.89. So that's half your system right there. If you had to install Mass Effect, the whole game on there first, there's no way you could fit it all. You couldn't fit the one game on the system. So that's a big issue. And not So you cut out the people that don't have the internet. And also then you cut out the people that don't have a big enough storage device for their system. So that's something I think the Xbox is going to need to solve with their 720 or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I imagine they will. Like the the laundry list of what they want on their next system for two ninety nine seemed pretty awesome, and it seems mm-hmm. like they have an idea of what's going to get Xboxes 
in people's houses, especially this new one. So I, I'd imagine they're going to give you enough, you know, enough space so you can start really downloading these games and having the downloadable content. Here's the thing, though. Not everybody wants that space. You do have parents that, when they hear that they can get a 4-gig Xbox mm-hmm. for 200 or 250-gig Xbox for even 250, they're like, oh, well, we don't need all that space. We're just going to go for the 4-gig. They're not going to be going online. Mm-hmm. Like They're not going to be doing Netflix or downloading yeah. stuff. 4 gigs is enough for them. Yeah, because if you're not going to be online, then yeah. Exactly. It is for the person. So I guess there wouldn't be that Venn diagram of people that have the internet and have the 4 gig. It's going to be a lot more sparse of that overlap, I would hope. And I hope that people don't just like then have to run out and buy a $150 Xbox exclusive hard drive. Oh no, that, they're that they're, they're more expensive than that. I uh, know. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping for the future <laughs> that they're more, a little cheaper. But no, uh, but that's that's honestly how it's I think it's always going to be. You're going to have a system with no hard drive that's going to be 50 to 100 bucks cheaper and they're going to give you the option to upgrade later, but it's going to wind up costing you $150 more to do that. Will you see, because I kind of want to keep on moving this back to the developer, uh, like EA, because this is why we're talking about the story. A developer saying, well, you know what? You, you're not producing, your systems aren't selling the way, the systems that we want to sell. I don't know how I'm wording it. You know how EA walked away from uh, Sega because they didn't believe the market was saturated enough for them to carry their games. Mm-hmm. Do you see that happening in the future where they're like, no, you're selling your systems, and that's well and good and fine, but you're not selling them the way we want you to sell them, which is making them available for all that DLC. Because we love that. It's half their revenue is DLC now. Mm-hmm. Like They're going to keep doing whatever they can to keep making money. Mm-hmm. They made Madden and uh, NHL games up until last year for the PlayStation 2. Yeah. The PlayStation 2. Like, they were still supporting it because, yeah, they were stripped down versions of the game, but... They were also the Wii versions of the game. Yeah. I mean, that's still money that they can make just by putting that on a shelf, because someone is going to buy it. I don't think they would still be producing it if they weren't also making the Madden for the Wii, though. (laughs) You know? I'm just... Because they can do the Wii version and also port it to PlayStation 2, basically. I think they should just really be like, hey, look at... Two two things of money, <laughs> yay! Let's shower each other with all this money. And, and I, I think that's what's going to be like. I think they're going to keep doing the physical games because that's money. Mm-hmm. That's money that's coming in, and they're going to still keep the digital games around because hey, guess what? They can charge the same amount for that game, and people are going to buy it because there's the people that yeah, I'm I'm fine with just buying the digital. Mm-hmm. So hey, money, money. 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 You know what I'm looking forward to spending money on? Oh, we got more segments, or more news, don't we? Yeah, we could do good. Talking about money, we could talk about how DC is stopping the charts again. Are they? Yeah, June sales came out. I believe it was June, right? I don't know. Yes, it would have been June. Yeah, it would have been June. I'm just shooting off the hip now because we were talking about money. They took top spot, but uh, Avengers vs. X-Men was the top, most top-sold book of the month. Uh those two were number one and two, I believe, again. But DC overall had a more market share. So there you go. There's that. And a little bit more money. Oh, Maybe about, I'm wrong. Uh, 
Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> That's why Paul doesn't uh, shoot Marvel, Marvel $1 share, while DC took unit share. I'm sorry. There it okay. is for G- June. Uh, mostly because of uh, the before Watchmen stuff. Did surprisingly better than I thought. I was a little afraid. Um, and also, talking about money, how about some uh, m- movie bracket buster explosion number two numbers? I don't know. I wanted an explosion of sound <laughs> and music. We're now we're now on Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man had a huge, biggest Tuesday opening, which is awesome. Good for them. But in our bracket, what do we care about? Opening weekend. So that means that Spider-Man may, came out with a weekly gr- weekend gross of sixty-two point zero million dollars, which is not enough to get it past Brave that made $66.3 million. So, Chris, how does it feel to be the only one right? Um, This is how I always feel. So, <laughs> Oh. I, I do think we need to maybe word it a little different for our rules for next, because it did a... I mean, it was four days before the... Three days before yeah. the weekend. Well, if you had looked at just the first three days of release, what then would it have been? Over a hundred and... Something million? No, I got it. Okay. It would have been, uh, for its opening, it would have 75 million just weekly, just by the week, before Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, yeah. It, it's a movie that, in a, in, in six days, did over $100 million, you know? So just like... Well, how much, how much did Brave do in six days? Just curiosity. Well, okay. Um, let's go. <laughs> For their week, their opening week, they made $97 million. 97.6. That's close. It's close. Close. But Spider-Man would have made more if we took just if their opening on a Friday. Day. Yeah, if it opened on a Friday, Friday yeah. it would have made more. For that weekend. But, you know, that has been the rules. It, oh, yeah. It, it affected uh, Transformers one year. Uh, it affected, because they also had the 4th of July right. opening... Uh, but they still just steamrolled and yeah, had a huge a, opening weekend huge. for um, some reason. <laughs> and honestly, it's right about where the first Spider-Man was. They're saying on uh, we're taking our numbers from BoxOfficeMojo.com, and they have a whole article up, up comparing them. Uh, this is slightly under all the other Spider-Man movies, but still within that range. We're looking at a drop off of like X-Men Three down to X-Men First Class again. They're yeah. comparing it to that. Anything, you know, reboots. Mm-hmm. You know, those were both X-Men First Class thought of as like a reboot for X-Men because it's new people, a different time. New director. Yeah. So, yeah. interesting. 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 Brackets are getting busted. Brackets think, are busting. I think we right. need to do a little, I, I need to do a little more research to see when movies are coming out because I wasn't expecting it to come out Right, be like on a Tuesday mm-hmm. when we look at the weekend ones. So it's something to I need to make a note for next year's bracket buster. Yes, explosion, explosion. The, the well, trace. This, I guess this is the first year you care because last year you're like, I'm just picking the movies that I want to see. Yeah, and I did. I did a lot better. <laughs> I was one point behind you guys. Yes, that's very. I have zero. <laughs> Do we still have zero? G.I. Joe screwed me! <laughs> it it kind of did. And by kind of, I mean yes, it did. 
But do you really think if GI Joe had come out, it would have really helped you though? I think for what it was up against, I, it probably it might have it might have given me some points and then moved on to other movies. I need to look up what it was up against. I think it was like Men in Black or it was Men in Black Three. I'm pretty sure. And Men in Black Three made fifty five million something around. There. And what did Battleship do? Do you remember that twenty something? Because that's what they were. Those were their two tent poles. Yeah, kind of. So I, I don't think I don't think you can put all the blame on GI Joe. <laughs> Movies did really lousy this year. Well, no, one movie did really well this year. <laughs> All other movies did horribly this year. Here it is. It was uh, G.I. Joe vs. Men in Black 3. And Battleship vs. Madagascar 3. Madagascar 3 moved on. So it, uh, Spider uh, Brave will go up against the winner of Dark Shadows and Born Legacy. So we're going to have to wait until August. That's going to be one of the next ones up. Uh, we're still waiting for Total Ice Recall. Age Continental Drift to go up against Avengers. They're just... Three <laughs> <laughs> They're, they are literally shivering in their boots. It's cold. But Ray Romano. Uh, expended, we're still waiting for both Batman, you know, Dark Knight Rises, and also Expendables 2. And we're still waiting for a Total Retook Call to go up against Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. That's going to be an interesting one to see. So it's really, we're, we're really kind of set until, well, Ice Age is going to be the next one up. But after that, it's all August. We have to wait until August. Sure. Woo. <laughs> exactly, we we can basically declare Dark Knight the winner as soon as it's open, right? And move that on versus Snow White, and keep on filling out the bracket, and then go back. There's no way Expendables Two is beating the Dark Knight. It did really. The first one did really well, and people for, are for its uh, for its month. Yeah, I mean Expendables. I was it was ridiculous how well that movie was doing in the box office because it was so bad. And people are still like, I had a, somebody ask me like last week, hey, what do you think about that Expendables? I'm like, ah, I, I'll probably see it because the first one was so ridiculous. And then I was like, you know, you're Van, part of the problem, John. Van, Van Damme's in it. They're like, Van Damme's in it. And they were like super psyched as they walked away from me. And I was like, oh. The weekend gross, the opening weekend gross was uh, $34.8 million. No. Yeah, I guess it made over $103 million domestic for its lifetime but it's an august opening which is always you know you just basically roll back 10 to 15 million dollars from what the rest of the summer has done from yeah. what i've been seeing on doing our brackets and also on box office mojo see what research does you are a researcher man yeah. you know when spider-man comes out and you still bet on him though so what does that tell you it, it's, it did good mm-hmm. you know any other news? I got nothing. We got books to buy then. We Comic do. Comic books. July 11th. You know what I'm getting? Slurpee. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going to drink that when I'm reading my Batman and Robin number 11 uh, with uh, Peter Tomasi on writer. I do not remember the artist on that book. Patrick Gleason. Patrick Gleason. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I really enjoyed number 10. I picked it up for the um, new story arc with uh, another, uh, what was it, Leviathan? Uh, another league of shitty evildoers trying to take down Batman with uh, Damian Wayne 
pro- trying to prove to all the other Robins that he is the best of them. And uh, the tail end of number 10, you had him go up against... Uh, um, Red Hood? Uh, Tim ah. Drake. Not really a fight, but just trying to prove his point that he's no better than uh, Damien. And I'm looking forward to seeing where else this goes. Hmm. Chris. Yes, I'm Chris. You, you pick a book so I can pick the one that you don't pick. Um, well, I already told you which one I was going to take. Um, I'm actually doing Avengers versus X-Men, um, AVX versus whatever you're calling it, um, number four. It's not it's the... Versus. It's... It's not the Avengers vs. X-Men title proper. It's the spin-off one that actually kind of goes into detail a little bit more about those fights that you see in between the panels. Chris, um, why are you still confused? We read the first page where it said, what is this? And they said, it's Avengers vs. X-Men versus." Because of, it's you the, can't tell that by looking at the title no, of the book can't. at all. Um, written by Carrie Andrews, who's mostly known for his artwork, and also uh, written by Rick Remender with art by Carrie Andrews and Brandon Peterson. Um, I don't know, just I like the kind of mashups that they're doing with this. I like the fact that it's two different writers, two different artists telling standalone stories in the book. Um, it's an anthology book, and you know how we love those. And I like Carrie Andrews a lot, and I don't get to see him in enough stuff anymore because he does mostly cover work. So that alone is a reason for me to pick this up. It's it's kind of a flip book more so than an anthology I would say, but I guess you do have a different writer and artist each issue, and it's split between the two. But couldn't you get the same thing by popping in your Marvel versus or your uh, Street Fighter versus Marvel? What is it called? Marvel Capcom versus Capcom. Capcom. There it is. Marvel versus Capcom three. Not really, because it's all one artistic style in that. <laughs> That's true. But and Carrie Andrews doesn't do the artwork for that, so there. And Rick Remender isn't writing it. But he did write, uh, what is it, Bulletproof? Not Bulletproof. Bulletstorm. No, that wasn't Rick. Was that Rick Remender? I don't think so. Or was that he did, um, Terry? I don't know. Uh, man. Are you thinking about Bullet Witch? No, I'm thinking about Bulletstorm, and it was written by somebody. Oh. Man, now I can't even spell Bullet Storm. It was written by a comic book writer. Writer. Who's the writer? That's what we're trying to figure out. Uh, Rick Remender. Was it? Yes. Interesting. I was right. Why would I? I, guess? I didn't know that. Uh, I never finished that game. It, you couldn't tell it was Rick Remender, huh? No, it just plays like any other kind of crazy over the top action shooter. Hmm. Crazy and over the top action shooter. Not yes. Exactly not what I'm talking about when I talk about Swamp Thing number eleven, written by Scott Snyder, who's bringing the Joker back. And uh, art by Marco Rudy. So, you know, I've talked about Animal Thing quite a bit on the show. Animal, I, animal Thing? Who's yeah. Animal Thing? I've talked about Animal Man quite a bit on the show, but I really don't pay much attention to Swamp Thing, even though I they go hand in hand. And I've been reading them both and enjoying them both. Uh, right now we're getting, uh, basically, The Rock is after Hope, right? That's her name? I Man, why can't I read? I, I don't know. You're, you're the one that's reading this. Not, I'm not. Yeah, I know. But Has I know. Alec and uh, Swamp Thing become one yet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's been a while. All right. I think issue eight. Issue eight. Oh, it's okay. Eight issues? <laughs> but those were good eight issues. Yeah. Good things were happening. Okay. Uh, okay. And it's the second part of uh, this whole thing with uh, Anton Arcane's return. Oh, okay. Cool. So he's back. He's back. Fucking up shit. 
Oof. Is he spidered? Is he, like, mixed, or is he human? He's mostly human, but he's kind of creepy. Still creepy? Creepy rot. It's the rot. Oh, he's, he's the rot? He's part of the rot, yeah. Oh, because he's dead. Yeah. So he's back as the dead man. Mm-hmm. Rot. Yep. Arcane. See, you know about it. Yeah. You can jump around. You guys love Scott Snyder. Why aren't you reading this book? One of those books, I just I wasn't picking it up. And as much as I like Scott Snyder, I don't feel the need to jump onto reading Swamp Thing. All right. Well, number 11, I'll be bringing you a bag and board bite. And you guys can watch the bite. And I will. I'll probably out. be there when, when you're filming it. I'll, He'll also be the one downloading it to the computer. <laughs> yes. Internet server set. And all that while, I hope Five. to convince at least one of you to to read the book. If you if you give me one through ten, I'll read them. Okay. You put them in my hand. I will read them. All right. Very good. I have a day off on Thursday. <laughs> I think I'm going to play putt putt. Get fitted for the tux. Other than that, comic books. <laughs> nice. But not going to the movie theater, huh? Is anything coming out? Because <laughs> you already went. I already went. That that was such a setup there. <laughs> you did already go to the movie theater and see some movie, right, John? I did. And let it drop. <laughs> I'm not taking that ball at all. <laughs> uh, I did, Paul. I went to go see the Amazing Spider-Man with uh, Chris from the Bag the Boardcasts, and he explained the Spider-Man trivia to me. That didn't happen. What? What's Spider-Man trivia? <laughs> Who's Peter Parker? <laughs> but here we are, ten years after the original Spider-Man from uh, Sam Raimi, starring Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst, came out. We've got a brand new one from director Mark Webb, starring Mr. Andrew Garfield and the awesomely adorable Emma Stone. As Gwen Stacy. As Gwen Stacy. The main love interest. There, there is no Mary Jane Watson to be seen in this at all. Also, no Daily Bugle. Um, huh. No J. Jonah Jameson. It's it's very different Spider-Man movie from what we had in those original three. So he's in high school. He, this is this is high school, yeah. not just graduating. This is him <laughs> as a high school kid. Nice. Unlike Spider-Man, where you see him in high school, and then all of a sudden he's in college, he's working for the Daily Bugle, and you miss all of that. All that young him becoming Spider-Man in Amazing Spider-Man. They Wait, show- you got one fight between him and Flash Thompson, and you got him throwing that cap up, and him figuring out he can take pictures for himself and sell them to the Daily Bugle. You get one scene of each. <laughs> <laughs> Very briefly, and yes, this yeah. this one you actually it shows him working out and how to use and create the web shooters, him making the costume, him leading up to getting that costume. You know, they have a scene where in the Amazing Spider-Man where he, you know, he takes on this guy cuz he's looking for the man that shot Uncle Ben mm-hmm. and the guy says, "I see your face." And then you see him start wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Still in street clothes, wearing a mask and him just becoming Spider-Man, getting that whole costume to protect other people and to protect his own identity. And you you just you flash forward on that in The Amazing Spider-Man. And in some cases, you just kind of let it go because you have that scene of him trying to work his web shooter mm-hmm. on top of the, you know, the building, but it's it's still go web. 
it's interesting to see to see that now in a movie mm-hmm. versus it just kind of briefly in Spider-Man. Do you think it's because they have more to work on recently with Ultimate uh, Spider-Man, which basically came out right before the first Spider-Man movie? So basically all the comic books that were out, anything that somebody's going to draw from to make a movie had to draw from what was happening in Spider-Man, which was nuts at that time because it was 2001. Now in 2000 was Ultimate Spider-Man, right? So you uh, know, no, I think they came out like 2001, 2002. Okay. So ex- almost exactly the same time that movie came out. Like now you have this long line of very of you had a full arc of Spider-Man not having webs on his costume in the Ultimate Spider-Man. So they have that kind of stuff to draw from and bring into a movie versus that's more up to date and ready kind of ready for film versus like what you had before with the original Stan Lee stuff, which was original Stan Lee stuff, which is... Yeah, it's like two pages later, he was Spider-Man. Yeah. But Thought Balloon, Thought Balloon, a lot of words. You know, it's hard to bring that to the screen, I think. Do you think that played a part in it? I, honestly, I don't think that had anything to do yeah, with Yeah, I don't think that any anything... Because after that first one came out is when they changed it in the comics that he had, the organic mm-hmm. web shooters. Like, they changed the comic because of the movie, and then they changed it back. Yeah. Because it was stupid. <laughs> it was. Um, but y- you get... It's a... it's a. You know, I haven't seen the Spider-Man movies in a while, and I just saw The Amazing Spider-Man, so that's a little more fresh, but... Like, I don't... It just seemed like there was really good character moments... With Peter, with Gwen Stacy, you know, Peter interacting mm-hmm. with his uncle and his aunt in this. And I, I feel like I don't remember that or I missed out on some of that stuff. It just seemed like the first the first Spider-Man was glimpses of stuff to get the story told, where mm-hmm. this one had time to have those moments. I, I think the first one actually did have those moments, though. You get him with Uncle Ben. You get him with Aunt May. Um, so I think that was all there. I don't, I don't Still remember. Still at the beginning. Um, yeah. I think what we Where have... Where were you, Michelangelo? It's It's been like eight eight years since I've probably seen Spider-Man. Well, that's kind of amazing because it's been on like every Thanksgiving on like FX yeah. or Fox like since it's come you know since it was able to be played on television and that's where I catch it more often now even though I do have it in my DVD. As a DVD, I I think what we have with both of these, like Amazing Spider-Man and the original one, is more their stories for that time. I I love the original first like two Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. I think they're fantastic. I put Amazing Spider-Man just a little bit over it, just because of the advances in technology and kind of how the story's done in it a little bit more. I like that Andrew Garfield's not that doughy kind of <laughs> Tobey Maguire. Um, but I I could still sit down and watch the first Spider-Man and be like, oh man, the second one's on now. I have to watch that too, mm-hmm. um, because it does have those character beats. It it is a Spider-Man movie. Um, this one feels more like a modern Spider-Man comic book, yeah, versus like you know the kind of '90s, early 2000s Spider-Man that you would have. Um, 
which I think is just that's those times. I mean, with the first three movies being done by Sam Raimi, you have a comic book fan mm-hmm. handling it, and he did bring those comic book sensibilities into it more. With Mark Webb, you have someone primarily known for doing music videos. So Amazing Spider-Man's got a lot more flash to it, I think. Um, not just Flash Thompson. Yep. Hey, because he is in there, and he's kind of <laughs> kind of really a douche. He, well, he's supposed to be. They, they do a really good job with him, and yeah. amazing. And he, ha- he has some good... He has a touching moment when he comes up to Peter after his uncle dies. Yeah. And this is already after, like, Peter Parker's been... Acting as a huge douche to him, yeah, <laughs> which he deserves. Yeah, yeah, he's got the power. He doesn't know about the res- doesn't think about the responsibility yet until after the uncle dies. Um, which uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Not said in no. the movie. What? No, they uh, they tweaked it a little bit. What? How did they tweak it? Don't remember the exact wording, but they do talk about responsibility, and you have that responsibility to help people if you can. If you have the ability to help people, then you should be helping people. Then you have the responsibility to do it? Pretty much, yeah. Then it's more wordy than it needs to be. It's... In the the instances that it's used between Uncle Ben and Peter, and Mm -hmm. then Peter realizing what he needs to do as Mm Spider-Man and telling Gwen Stacy... It works, you know. Okay. It's not like blah 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 blah, like just just tons of dialogue, but it it does really work. It it flows really organically from how Martin Sheen, who's playing Uncle Ben in this one, kind of words it to mm-hmm. Peter because it's when they're sitting around talking, it's not just a soundbite, right? Which is ultimately what it comes down to in the original one because it's just like okay, bullet point, great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. You're changing into the man you're going to be. And with Amazing Spider-Man, it's more about he's actually sitting down and talking to his nephew about something. It's not just mm-hmm. like, eh, words of wisdom, now get out of the car, kid. <laughs> That's true. Um, so I think it worked a lot better, actually, in Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, because I think, you know, that is the phrase that everybody knows from Spider-Man, other than he's got radioactive blood, which was never, which isn't true anymore. Hasn't been true in forever. Doesn't have radioactive blood. Doesn't. Oh well. Um. You know, I really enjoyed the first one, and from then on, they kind of were all a step down. Where Spider-Man Three, I can't even go watch. See, Spider-Man Two, I think is fantastic. I think that's right when everyone had hit their stride because they were done with introducing stuff. All you had to learn is who Otto Octavius was. And then you're you're boom you're back in that world right um, and I think it was just all extremely well done too. If go ahead uh, the second I think the second one mainly has a bit of a better villain with mm-hmm. Octavius, um, but I, 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 I two's good but with everyone saying like oh two's the best one I thought it was good I didn't think it was great. Well, is Otto Octavius really the villain, or is it his manticles? Yeah, they had it. Yeah, redeem. You know, it's always great to redeem the villain. But then, you know, that's the one thing I don't like about most of the comic books, uh, superhero movies that have been happening. They just are right willing to kill off the villain. They're like, yeah, he's dead now. 
what? Then, uh. but I'm hoping that they learn their lesson from like I don't know Avengers, where man, if they can, if they can bring all the heroes together for a movie, can't they bring all the villains? Exactly my thought, John. I'm so glad you. So you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna wait for seven uh, amazing Spider-Mans to get the Sinister Seven. <laughs> No, because once two hits, they pop two in a row, <laughs> and then three in a row, you know, three villains, you know. They do them quick after the first one. But uh, the I second know, one... See, I, okay. I, I liked Otto Octavius, because he was just a flawed person who kind of had a shit ton of luck. Mm-hmm. Just, like, fall on him. Um, and... You could talk about how his tentacles were the actual villains, but no, he was still this, like the person mm-hmm. on the front lines of everything and realized the error of his ways. And that was his arc. Yeah. I mean, he did some shitty stuff and died stopping it. Mm-hmm. That That's who he was in the movies. There were, I, I don't yeah. need to see him come back after what he had done. Yeah, but he was—he was never so villainous to me, because he was always on that cusp of redemption. Because and then all of a sudden the manticle would come out and he would go no no and it was always kind of and it kind of came off a little. Well, then did you want him to have a an never appearance was in three? What do you mean he wasn't threatening? He's like I will peel the skin. Yeah, ching ching. <laughs> but. You know, but then the next moment, he was so bipolar in the movie that, you know, he was always, he wasn't that menacing villain villain, but that's, you know? He, th- that's not who he is, though. I know. He was definitely a lot more human than what you had in the first one with Norman Osborn. Who was just shit done crazy. Yeah. And yeah. Over, over the top. Over and the top crazy. I think you needed a different kind of villain for the second one. Otherwise, it's just going to be like, oh, it's another scientist driven crazy by his technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the redemptive Sandman. He's doing it to save his kid. The only person you have that's really bad is Venom. Mm-hmm. And the third one. Well, and then you still have Harry Osborn, then, Who's though, also the redeeming. Who's the redeeming. Do we need the redeeming villain, or can't we just have a straight, just, villain? Oh, man, uh, no, no. I would love a straight villain in Spider-Man 2, John. <laughs> no, I, I think you need something behind the villain that gives them that little... Like, tweak. Otherwise, if it's just like some crazy person, you're always going to wind up comparing them to the Joker. You need a little bit of a human element to any villain that you have that makes them a little bit more believable. But it's not a win for my hero when he watches somebody that was being redeemed die. It's not a win for Spider Man there because he was able to finally redeem him, but he couldn't save him. True, but they want you to feel something. Right. Like, okay, Spider-Man might have won the day, but... Did he? Octavius died. Yeah. So you know, he might have won, but Norman Osborn was killed. Yeah. Do you and need now some... his friend is going to learn that, and what's that mean for his friend? As, as much as you have to humanize the villains, you have to do the same thing for the hero. And it's not always going to be a bright, happy, sunshiny day. Especially for Peter Parker. Exactly. Spider-Man. If you're going to do it with one superhero... You kind of have to do it with Spider-Man, I guess. Yeah. Because you can't have him leave on a high note because it's Peter Parker. Things yeah. go wrong for that guy. Always goes wrong. <laughs> always. Always. And you have you have 
much of the same um, with Octavius that you do with the lizard in this movie. You have him knowing what's right and then being talked to by the lizard inside him and then having these moments towards the end where he redeems himself uh-huh. and then even at the post, you know, halfway through the credits, redeem himself even more where they're like, leave the boy alone! It's my... Harry H. Macy? <laughs> William H. Macy? What's his name? Reese fan. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the it's it's not a uh, William I, H Macy. No, the guy the guy from the first uh, couple Spider Man yeah. movies does have a resemblance to William H Macy. I can see where you're coming. <laughs> yeah, where you're coming that's from? <laughs> but it isn't. It's but it's not. Um, but again, you have it's another scientist trying to use his technology for the betterment of mankind, and ultimately paying the price trying to use it for personal gain. Which I do expect from the lizard, because that was basically his character in the comics. Mm. You know, he'd have these moments where he'd turn into the monster, but then as um, the doctor, he would Doctor Kirk Connors, he would Dylan help Baker. Spi- <laughs> Dylan Baker is the name of Kirk Connors in the original, who does look little William H Macy. Uh, slightly, I I don't. Well, he he does. It's in the eyes and the cheeks and like the hair. Yeah. Has cheeks and hair. I don't know. Just think of him trying to be really shameless. <laughs> think of him as the shoveler? Yeah, or the shoveler. Um, was he the shoveler? Yeah, he was a mystery man. William H. Macy was. Not Dylan Baker. Oh, not I Dylan was thinking Baker. Dylan Baker. Okay, anyways, I sidetracked you. I'm like Scott. Yeah. <laughs> what was I saying? You were talking about the lizard. Yeah, you were talking about the and villains. How Oh, and in the comic books, Kurt Connors as a doctor would help out Spider-Man with all different things. He helped him with the symbiote and, and all that kind of stuff. But so you have you have an, a redemptive character there, mm-hmm. Otto Octavius. And I see, I know where, where you're saying you have to have those, but also, I mean, he's he's the villain should get locked away and then break out and. And, be the villain again. And here, John, you're being the comic book guy that's going to see the movies. These are the movies no, stand exactly. out. Exactly. No, I'm saying it's like I know where you're coming from, but you've because they did that already in a Spider-Man movie, and now they're doing it again in a movie. Even though this time it's accurate to the character, it does kind of feel like something you've seen already in a Spider-Man movie. A redemptive okay. villain. A reluctant villain. But in this one, you have a mystery of what's going to happen in the next movie because they set up this villain mm-hmm. that visits Kurt Connors in his cell to find out what Peter knows, and uh, it's 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 really interesting where that's that's going to go. Like I'm looking forward to it. On the car ride home, I said, "Do you think they're mixing Norman Osborn with the Vulture?" Because in the movie, it, it's made to seem that Norman Osborn is dying, and they're looking for a cure for him. So my thoughts are, oh, is he going to be stealing life forces and re- regenerating himself or looking for something to do that which would get him to be the goblin? Yeah, he could just easily, the cure for him 
is becoming the goblin. Yeah, exactly. Easily, you know. I don't think they're going to mix the two together, but uh, that's interesting. I just... I got nothing on the Amazing Spider-Man because because we've a seen little the lizard talking to seen, himself. It's weird. We've seen the Green Goblin in movies. Uh-huh. Be different kind of way to go. Yeah, yeah, but I think if you see the Vulture, it's going to be the Vulture. It's not going to be a, a combination, combination of the two, yeah. um, because that's exactly what I was thinking. What Paul said there is like, no, his cure is just going to be him becoming the Goblin, mm-hmm. like. If you want where, to be a villain, where, where, where would vulture powers come in to know. being regenerated? He, he steals life forces. Yep, yeah. steals the life like, forces with the power of a vulture. <laughs> so what happened in the comic books? He became youthful. He would steal people's essences and in the become cartoon? youthful. Yeah, no, in the comic in as the well. Comic. Yeah, You're right. You are right. Yeah, I know I am. But why not Black Cat? In the next one. Because there's no Mary Jane. Because in the first couple movies, like, the whole love arc. That's right. I am keep on trying to bring it back to the old ones. The whole love story in, was Mary Jane Watson. Or, you know, the on and off again, on and off, up and down relationship. Here, we, we just have one Stacy. No need for the person that everybody knows. Spider-Man grows up, marries, and then makes a deal. Well, then she makes a deal with the devil to unmarry him. Uh, is there so we can mess up the relationship with Gwen? I wait. Well, I think what you're going to wind up seeing is if they do two or three of these movies, Gwen Stacy's always going to be in the forefront there as the relationship with Peter. But then you're going to have Mary Jane Watson come in after people have already gotten to know and love Gwen Stacy, and Mary Jane is going to be the the uh, what should we call it? The homewrecker there, and it's going to that's well, going to throw people and- off. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gwen Stacy's got to die. Then you need Green Goblin. Yeah. Now, do you guys want just? Do you guys want exoskeleton Green Goblin or more comic book Green Goblin? More comic book Green Goblin because the the first Spider-Man Green Goblin is kind of ridiculous looking, especially that helmet. Which they shouldn't have done. The helmet that there's yeah. that's out there on the internet. The makeup test that they did yeah. with the animatronics, that's awesome, but they were trying to go more realistic, quote unquote, with it. The- away from like the cartoony goblin, which is why they went with what's referred to on the internet as the Power Ranger goblin. Mm-hmm. And uh, the goblin always was a menacing character for Spider Man, especially when he knew his secret identity. Yep. And that, but. There was nothing menacing. I mean, it was a little menacing just because William Defoe's in that suit. And he also knew they established right away during the Thanksgiving scene in the first movie that he, he realized out. who he was. But he didn't have that. I don't know. He was just. It, it, you missed something with you know have, having to flip up the visor for you to get the crazy William Defoe eyes. Yeah. I, I with that mask you would have. You know, with the moving lips and everything, you'd have something more menacing on screen than I think you got in the first one. Um, it looks more like the comic book, but I wouldn't say it was menacing looking. I think with, I mean, that's a film test. With yeah. it actually being in the film, you could make it more menacing. That dialogue being delivered, except for the 
smack on the back of the head, like, come on, pal, let's team up and do this city right. But, again, they were trying to go more realistic. No, I know. I There's nothing realistic about that helmet, though. Like, it's not even a biker. Like, I'm trying to think of, okay, there's the, maybe if you're, like, a bicyclist in the Tour de France, do you have something, like, that kind of shape? Mm-hmm. But then it doesn't come to a point. It doesn't look aerodynamic at all. It has the weird visor in the weird bug screen for you know where the lips are and yeah where were where's the realism there you're like they're saying oh let's go more realistic but they didn't go far enough like mm. at least with uh the th- in the third one with uh harry harry goblin i don't even know what, what to call him he, he was the new goblin new goblin at least it looked like something crossed between a biker and a paint ball paint ball yeah. guy you know, that looked more realistic. It looks just as stupid, or, you know, not maybe not just as stupid, but it looks stupid, but it looked more realistic, like somebody would actually wear it, especially if he liked paintball. But. Yeah. Just saying. Hmm. So I'm like, if you're going to go comic booky, and they did, because the lizard looks all comic booked out, you know, CGI, just go do it, you know? Don't worry about. Realism, because they can't get realism right. <laughs> you know? Well, here we are ten years later, though. I mean, well, we're going had, five years later from New Goblin. From New Goblin, yeah, but from the original one. We're ten years after that, and we've had a shit ton of other comic book superhero movies that have done a lot more money than the original Spider-Man mm-hmm. that they've had to look at and learn from from there. And Thor's costume is definitely Thor's costume. Mm-hmm. They, they toned down and made... Hawkeye's costume more realistic, but I think you're you got to go more instead of worrying about being more realistic, you got to go more comic booky, mm-hmm. especially for Marvel. Like with DC, you can make the arguments for you know Dark Knight, but even the Joker, still the Joker, yeah. you know, in the in Dark Knight. Um, no, but thinking back to the first movie. Oscorp was a military technology mm-hmm. development company. They were working on building an exoskeleton for soldiers. Yeah. Like, the puffy clown mask just doesn't fit with what they were trying to do in that movie. That's what I'm just trying to say. Yeah, and what I'm saying and, is that helmet doesn't work either, though, for that. Because I don't think soldiers are going to be wearing a really long... Give them but, more of a headshot target than than what they should. No, but they had to do something to make it... Green Goblin. Green Goblin. Right. And they do have Norman Osborn being a, having like that obsession with masks, because mm-hmm. you see them all over his library and his like house, apartment, study, whatever you want to call it at that... Castle on top yes. of the skyscraper. <laughs> but not gargoyles. gargoyles. Yeah. So back to my question. Which would you rather want to see in the next Amazing Spider-Man if we get a Green Goblin. And that's where I was going. Like, do it more comic booky because they couldn't get the more realistic tone right last time. So just go it. Do it. Chris? Well, when you say comic booky, which which like, Goblin comic booky do you mean, though? Because are you talking more like the Green Goblin with the rubber mask throwing the pumpkin bombs, or is it going to be more like the ultimate one where he's actually like this 
almost Hulk-like creature that's throwing fire. Well, which one do you want to see? I that's think, what I'm asking. I think with the world that they're setting up, you're going to see more like that Ultimate Spider-Man yeah. one, like an I actual mean, goblin. goblin. With uh, with um, how they changed lizard, you know, you you see that brief moment yeah. where it's the lizard wearing the lab coat, like you're mm-hmm. you see in the comics, and then that goes away quickly. But yeah, I think. I would want to see classic Goblin, but I think where they're going, you would see more of the Ultimate one, which makes more sense. But I would love to see Goblin Goblin on the screen, the classic Goblin. And I I think you'd run into the problem that they had with the first one, where it just doesn't look right. Oh, oh, I agree. It wouldn't. Else. It wouldn't look right, and I like. The ultimate one makes sense, mm-hmm. but there's just this one part of me that I would want to see that classic goblin. Would you be settled if it's like what they're doing? What it looks like they're doing for Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight Rises for Catwoman, and what they did, and something in between what they did for Captain America, where he had the classic Captain America outfit, but it was a stage show, and in Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight Rises, it looks like it's going to be her wearing more of a classic. Catwoman ears and mask, like during a masquerade ball. Well, she had, has in when she's like right. the thief. Right. She does have the ear, like the her the visor. mask. Her mask moves up and it looks like the ears. Right. I mean that's. Well, I'm giving. I'm saying, like, what looks more classic is you know the mask that she when she's whispering to. Yeah. You know the storm. Yeah, coming. but you would, you know, Spider Man going to a Halloween. He's doing. Thing. He's doing a fundraiser. I, I know what you're saying. He's in the masquerade. He's, you know, showing off that he's better, and he's throwing a big party, and it happens to be... He's wearing the goblin suit? Yeah. Eh. Would you buy... The, would you be satisfied, or would you be like, eh, close, man. No, I'd be no. satisfied with the, the ultimate one. I'd, I'd be satisfied with a, a new interpretation of the goblin. I don't need to see that the classic... It's just that it'd be cool. They That's talked it. him down from the ledge. He no longer needs to see the classic Goblin. <laughs> I he's going to be okay when I, it's just the Ultimates. I said that, just I said that before. Etrigan. There's just this little side of me that I would love to see that on screen. So if it was in a, if it worked in a costume ball setting, <laughs> would it work for you in a costume ball setting? <laughs> Probably, That's what not. I'm <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. No, I, it wouldn't because you'd be like, oh, they're just throwing this in. You know, like that moment where you had the lizard wearing that lab coat was just because he hadn't totally bulked up mm-hmm. you know and it that worked for two seconds on the screen yeah. you know you don't it, to do it to do that would just be silly speaking of silly i kind of want to throw it back to spider-man 3 because we haven't really talked about it too much besides the new goblin stuff and <laughs> it was really touching on uh sandman you know why we don't talk about it because it was awkward it was awkward to watch. It was really awkward. It was an abusive relationship that you that you no longer go over to that friend's house anymore because they're just <laughs> arguing all the time and you just feel so wrong being there because you're just like, I hope they don't fight again. It's you know because that's what it was. Like her, him, and Mary Jane, it was just so bad between those two characters, and it it made it. I, it wasn't fun. And I, it, you had the douchey yeah. symbiont Peter with the playing piano and then dancing in the cafe yeah. when he's on the date with Gwen Stacy. It's not fun. No. no it it wasn't, wasn't good for anybody. We, we, you know, 
Sam Raimi didn't want to do Venom. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted to stay with those classic ones, so that's why you got Sandman with a character that he wanted to do, and then Venom, who was pushed to be yeah. in that. I mean, they're still talking about doing a Venom movie. Yeah. Venom's still in development. Whatever progress is being made on it, it's still development, but they've been talking about that since it came out, like, what, five years ago now? Yeah. Yep. Um, I have to say, I do like uh, Thomas Hayden Church Church as Sandman. I think he did really well. I like the Sandman stuff in it. Um, I don't think we need to have Venom in it. I can understand them putting in Harry as New Goblin, kind of just building off that, because for the mm-hmm. character's arc. He's gone two movies now. He's getting into it, finally, with Peter. Yeah. Um, I wish it had been done a little bit better, but... Yeah, I wish they had movie to tell it, because they honestly, they had three villains. It was a ridiculous. It was ridiculous, and then you also had the thing going on with Peter and Mary Jane, and just the best scene is when Mary Jane and James Franco are like making a salad together. Like that's the most fun in the whole movie because it's like, <laughs> oh, they're getting along great. It's nice to see people get along in this movie. I've honestly only ever seen it that one time in yeah. the theater. Yeah, that's. I think I saw it twice because I saw it with you guys, and then I usually see everything again with my dad. Yeah. So. I, th- I think I saw it twice, and I've never had any need to go see it. And I think uh, if it's been on TV, what I've caught and watched was the Sandman robbing the armored truck and Spider-Man like swinging in and getting knocked out and then swinging in. And as soon as that scene's over, I change the channel. I'm like, eh, that's all I need to see. Yeah. What What else is there? I, th- I think it is sad to see that that's probably what Sam Raimi puts out when he gets too much info and too many notes from the studio and that's sad because like i said at the beginning i love the first two and i i think you can see where the movie is split into spider-man 3 and maybe spider-man 4 spider-man 3 is all the stuff that peter does with the sandman and And then all and then all the stuff with venom the breakup with mary jane because he's being controlled by the symbiont and all that symbiont stuff is like another movie. Like, it's mm-hmm. two movies in one because he was forced to do to do that. You know, yeah. he had the movie idea he wanted to do with this whole other part of the movie f- that he's forced to do. Yeah. I can say the same thing about X-Men 3 where I felt like that was yeah. definitely two movies that they just kind of merged together because they had to get it something done. Well, it, and it, it was like they took what Brian Singer was planning on doing and then mm-hmm. what the notes of you need the fastball special you need to do this yeah. you need this you need this put those in there and have somebody else touch it up yeah because x-men 3 is another one i saw it once i've never gone to see it again i've seen bits and pieces of it on tv but i've never actually sat down to watch it again no need no need to. i sat down maybe two months ago and watched x2 just because i was like oh, yeah. you know what Dad, i was looking at my cd shelf i said yeah, X2. I'm going to watch that Nightcrawler scene, and then... Oh, yeah, that beginning scene with Nightcrawler in White House is awesome. And then as soon as you get that, you you wait a few minutes more, and then some other cool stuff happens. You know, the attack on, yeah. the, on the school and everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, like, shit was great. I don't know. I, to kind of go back to Spider-Man, I think Amazing Spider-Man is what we need from a Spider-Man movie now. Um, as much as what Spider-Man 1 was back when that one came out, 
Amazing Spider-Man is reintroducing Spider-Man in the current cinema climate mm-hmm. alongside Avengers, alongside uh, the Dark Knight movies. I think it worked. Um, I, I said to you when we were driving back to the apartment after the movie, though, it's like, I don't ever need to see Uncle Ben die again. Yeah. It's one of those things, I've seen it so many times, I've read it so many times, it it loses all meaning to me now, because it, it just keeps happening. How about It's the- Groundhog's Day, <laughs> with some man dying in the street. How about the mama and the papa? Um, I'm in uh, Martha Wayne. Which I'm glad we really uh, were going to talk about that, because I think that's something great that they've brought in that has always just been glossed over before. Like, oh, Pete lives with his aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. No mention of his parents ever really at all. And I think it's smart to bring them in and have them be working for Oscorp, maybe something with the government. You don't know what his parents were doing. Oh, kind of like in The Ultimates. Kind of like in the ultimate stuff, um, he just he's finding notes, and it's like, okay, this is the formula that's going to complete what Connors has been working on. He never had, mm-hmm. um, oh, I'm blanking out on his name, Pete's dad, Richard, Richard, Richard. Yeah. He he doesn't have Richard Parker's notes. Now that he does have them, he can finalize what he's been working on in a, in a rush because Osborne wants it now. And what's horrible is he didn't have these notes for like 15 years. <laughs> like it was just like this huge time of him like trying to figure this out. And then all of a sudden, like Peter come in and be like, how about you use this? <laughs> and then he's like, this is what I've been looking for for all of these years. But he didn't raise up that hand. No, he raised this one. He didn't have this one. He didn't have that one. No, he he doesn't. Now sing a little Tinket Pot. Um, (laughs) That's the... the My favorite part actually coming out of this, though, was Andrew Garfield. Yeah? I I didn't know who he was before um, Social Network. He was in Doctor Who? Yeah, one episode. (laughs) episode, Like a kid. Yeah, you don't even realize him. I honestly didn't see that episode until like a couple months ago. Really? So, yeah. Oh, it is with uh, Martha Jones. So I didn't watch any of those until um, Netflix. So, yeah. um, He has a horrible... (laughs) Trying to do a Brooklyn accent in that Doctor Who episode. I really enjoy him as an actor now, I have to say. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing him in more stuff now. He's just a really likable guy. I think he portrays Peter Parker and Spider-Man really well. I agree. Not super emo, because that's what I was afraid of. They were going like, no, oh, he's I, a cooler, he's, edgier Peter no, he's, Parker. He's more just withdrawn okay. than being like that nerdy kid that they were trying to do with Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's, you know, he's smart. You know, he's got this, he's got that. He's known as someone who takes really good photos. You know, he's not, he's not that person, like, who is a total nerd that gets picked on, but he's not cool enough to not get beat up when he tries to get Flash to not pick on somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's not cool enough, but yet people still know who he is. Right. It's good. It, it's I I really enjoyed it. I say it's it is worth it's worth the $10 to go see this movie. It is a really good movie and to be able to see it on the big screen. I'd say you should do it. Okay, is it a jump up from, let's say, uh, Batman Forever to Batman Begins, or is it more of a jump from X1 to X-Men 2? 
Or is it not? It, those are those not. are really hard. Or or is it a jump from like because I'm trying to th- figure it, it, compare the jump from Spider-Man three to this movie, compare it to the jumps that other comic book superhero movies have had. I, it it's it it's tough because it's like going from Daredevil to the Avengers. Like wow, I, that that big of a jump. I, there does you that go. make sense? You want, yeah, yeah I, because you. It uh, Daredevil's. Uh, I like Daredevil. Yeah, it's a, it's an entertaining movie. It's good. It's not great. Tokian parts, and it just it didn't have the budget. Mm-hmm. It didn't have a lot of it's, things, but that's okay. <laughs> it, it this is actually it's really tough to kind of say like oh well it's like this movie to this movie because the Spider Man movies have tread so much ground since they came out. Right. I mean. Well, still, this the is Batman movie. You had Batman to Batman Forever, which was you know Joel Schumacher, and before that it was uh, Tim Burton. Tim Burton, because what? Yeah, I mean, you have nineteen nineteen eighty nine, two, and then I think Batman Forever came out probably about ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety eight, mm-hmm. and then how and long then after 2004 that? Two thousand four for Batman Begins. Yeah, I was still. We were all in college still. Yeah. yeah. So 2004, 2003, 2004. I mean, so you got you got. Uh, yeah. And just the, the, uh, it's so tough because I don't want to make this a discussion about the Batman movies, but we're a Batman where, podcast. Where you, we are a Batman podcast now. Where you had Tim Burton kind of telling more of a Batman story, based off of what you had in the comic books and stuff like that. You had Joel Schumacher doing a Batman. That was updated from what he saw in the Adam West TV show, which you would almost think, because Joel Schumacher is more of a dark and gritty director, like him. Well, the Pirates movies, that's Joel Schumacher too, no. right? No, no that's Gore Verbinski. Oh, yeah. But then I Joel Schumacher is a more kind of dark, darker kind of a, a a movie guy. To all of a sudden do that camp was really kind of out there. It just was... It was weird. Paul's weird. Looking stuff up. I'm, I'm trying to figure out who Joel Schumacher is. I believe he did Lost Boys. Hmm. I believe he directed Lost Boys. Batman Forever. Tigerland. Phone Booth. The number 23. Man in the Mirror. Tigerland Flawless. Okay, so he didn't do the third movie? I don't see Batman... And Robin? And Robin on here. So who did Batman and Robin? Oh, he did. Yeah, I thought it was Schumacher. He might not be seeing, like, the complete... Okay. ...filmography there. I don't know. But it doesn't really... You... You don't get... What what I expect they hired him to for the movie that they wanted him to make, um, where you get a Sam Raimi style Spider Man movie. He's got his you know his cut kind of scenes. You have the shadow you know when um, uh, Octavius is breaking loose after he's been infused to the to the tentacles. You get his kind of a movie, and now you have a new person's take on Spider-Man. 
You know, it's like if you if you got an X Men other than First Class, if you got an X Men, Cyclops is the leader, Wolverine on the crew remake, you're not you know it's it's gonna it's not gonna be Brian Singer's X Men. It's gonna be so and so's version of X Men. I think it's it's hard to make that jump from you know. Batman and Robin to Batman Begins. Batman Begins, because that's Schulmacher's take on a campy Batman to dark and edgy Christopher Nolan's. This would be more if you compare the Tim Burton stuff to the Christopher Nolan. It's totally very similar, but better done. Okay. Um, Do you still get those funny little notes, like when Spider-Man, when, uh, He's go 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 web, Shazam, up and away web. Um, like those kind of really Sam Raimi esque, just the hand going, like scenes that I that I associate with the Sam Raimi Spider Man. It's not slapsticky. You get the Spider Man joking around. Okay, which I think is is great. Like you know when the uh, when a car thief pulls a knife on him. You know, he gets down on his knees and he's like, please, please, no, you found my weakness. It's tiny knives. And then he, you know, he webs him to the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the same car thief, he's kind of like, Godium is like, you know, you probably shouldn't dress like a car thief if you're going to steal cars. <laughs> it, it's the little one-liner jokes like that that you get from the comic book Spider-Man. That you were sometimes missing in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, you know, other than when he's battling the wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, bone saw. He, he gets a little bone saws ready when he webs up. Uh, what's his name's mouth? J. Jonah Jameson's mouth. It's like, yeah. excuse us, parents that grown ups are talking, stuff like you know. But often not much. And and you got some you got some good Spider Man moments. And I, I I like and like Chris said, I like that real lean Spider Man. You know, it looks like a teenager. He's you know he didn't he's got a normal body he just has super strength versus Tommy Wire had that stick body and then all of a sudden he's he's ripped ripped you know he's jacked and I have to say I really enjoyed the effects on him doing the Spider-Man stuff too like he's taking out that gang and he's kind of like jumping off over like the fence I'm, I'm using hand gestures to yeah. show like how he's moving around but yeah but yeah he's the actual him showing off like the acrobatics and the agility is really well done and, and the other thing is, he wakes up with these powers, he goes to turn on the water faucet, not only does it stick to his hand, but he's got super strength now, so he rips it off. Oh. He tries to fix it, and, you know, the whole thing breaks. And then you have a moment where he walks away in anger, and a normal, how he would normally shut the door, mm-hmm. it would just shut. In this one, he shuts it, and it slams and breaks the window. You know, like, he's still learning how to be how to work with these powers he's got super mm-hmm. strength now and you show it shows him touching things very gently like to, op- to open a door he's just using the tips of his fingers mm-hmm. you know like he doesn't want to rip it off the handle like he's been doing with everything else that's interesting that's good it's good i thought i thought that was really great i i really can't say enough of how i like this movie and you have a real unsung hero which is chris's favorite character out of the movie which is uh, the crane operator. The crane operator, runaway character in this movie. Um, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. 
And at the very end, and like that part where you get just like Spider-Man swinging over the city, at one point you see a crane, and I just like nudge John. I was like, it's a crane. <laughs> um, and then at the end, he's like, you think the crane operator's going to get a spinoff? <laughs> Which I hope he does. Uh, That's something for you to remember until you see the movie, Paul. Until I see that movie, yes. And until you comment us on the iTunes, you know, check us out in next week. But before we come back, you should, you know, leave us a rating and review on the iTunes. That's all I'm saying. Yes, yeah, so and make sure you're following us over on Facebook where we update stuff when we do it, whether it's a bang board bite, we're recording an odd episode, we're recording an actual episode. That's the place you can get all the information first. First. You love being first on the internet. Don't pretend like you don't. It's, it's true. <laughs> Clutch, John. <laughs> Clutch. <laughs> it's true.